Today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2. And the one thing that I'd like to point out to any listeners is that on the media page that you're listening to, there is a section where you can follow along in the Bible. Uh, near the top page, different versions, if you, if you don't have your Bible with you, um, you could actually look it up on the top page and choose a Bible version. Okay, so I read from the New King James, just so you know, if, if you want to see the same wording uh, that I'm reading from, I'm reading from it, okay? It's on the option, so you can choose that if you don't have your Bible. I do recommend having a Bible with you, but if you don't, the, the beauty of the uh, webpage on this uh, section with the media is, is that you can find a Bible version and read along. So last chapter we observed the creation of the world and universe, which I titled The Origin, which was Genesis chapter 1. Uh, what we're going to see now is our origin. Uh, to see the things that God created on this earth and universe was amazing. But he, he wasn't done yet. He created human life. The apex of creation. Human life with, with abilities, with emotions, made in God's image, as it says in the Bible, that we were made in God's image. And if you've never read the Bible, or maybe you've only heard bits and pieces of it, I give references throughout the Bible so you can observe yourself what has happened, or to see how something has occurred. I like to do that every every now and then from certain other areas, and I try to give those uh, chapters and verses, and I do recommend checking those out. Um, many people I've heard say they, they don't read the Bible because they don't understand. And I pray that this will help you a little more with, with what the Lord has called us to do here. But more than anything, pray for the understanding. The Lord will give it to you if you ask in truth and humility. Okay, It's called illumination. Illumination of, that the Holy Spirit gives you. It gives you the understanding to, to, uh, to grasp what it is that you're reading. Now, many have said this is what I was taught, okay, or, or they're, they're quick to believe, which is I encourage you to read along in your Bible and not be quick to embrace everything that you hear from a human source. If whatever it is is outside of Scripture, then it's questionable. And, and this is simply to teach it for what it is saying. No, no man can make the Bible any more powerful than it already is. Okay, so it's like trying to, the Bible's considered the sharpest sword, the world's sharpest sword. You cannot sharpen the world's sharpest sword. But we sharpen ourselves on it. Iron sharpens iron. And in, in many cases, people uh, pick and choose the parts of God in the Bible they, they like or don't like due to what they don't understand. And I, I will say this, I've, I've heard of kids who have never met their father. But the father, but the father left letters or a diary for the kids, uh, and within time, the kids knew their father pretty good. But in this concept, God did the God did the same, except he he's with us always, watching and hearing us. Prayer is our lifeline to him; it's our plumb line to him. But but he's not gone, and and, and God is not an absent father. He is here. He is. He's here for eternal in our in our existence. He is eternal in our existence, and that is the that is the importance of what we need to look at. That is the importance of what we need to remember and what we're seeing here and what we're observing. Is is that God has no grandchildren. Every single person is a, either a either a son or a daughter of His. So what we're going today to what we're going to observe today is Genesis chapter two. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it there, or again look at the media section 
on the top of the uh, of the page and and go ahead and and find the Bible version if if you want to read along if you're able to. But again, I'm going to read it to you. So Genesis chapter two. Uh, I'm going to start off in verse uh, one through three, and it says, "Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished." And on the seventh day, God ended his work which we had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So one of the, one of the most misinterpreted and misunderstood outlooks of this verse is God's physical abilities. And that, that he needed to rest. Okay, there is no way to fathom how he created all of this. And there is no microscope big enough to put him under for observation here. But but God, he reveals himself through different ways. And, and if you've ever read the whole Bible, you know what I'm talking about. But in this case, we're observing the Sabbath day right now. The, the day of rest... Many have made it look like God did one of those uh, build a mansion in a few days uh, project and then after he falls face down on his bed from being worn out. And that is not our God. We have to remember who we're talking about. In chapter 1, verse 14, God created the universe, which we're still discovering to this day and have not even yet scratched the surface on the universe's discoveries. God does not need rest, nor does, it, nor does he run out of energy. When he finished his creation, he simply stopped and observed, just as an artist would after, the, after their masterpiece was completed. So once you're done, you're done. There's nothing else to do but to sit, to sit back and, and observe what it is that you did. The Sabbath day was a day that he set apart for us. It was a day of rest, a day set apart with him in worship. Not that God needed the rest. God used the example. So again, in the, in the truth in creation is seen. When, when you think about it, life in its entirety, we, we live in an action-oriented world. And society most, uh, in society as well, um, most workplaces are five-day periods. Some of them are six. But they recognize the importance of a day off. And, and so often anymore, people are going to, uh, going full speed seven days a week. And the amazing thing is God designed us to go a distance. But, not every distance can be accomplished. Uh, you know, medical studies have shown that, that mental stress is a major life shortener. And, and, and thing is, the thing in the human body, if you look at the longevity records over a period of years, you will see that the ages of lasting are less. And, and, and it was observed causes of death, strokes and heart attacks, which are the big factor of the issue here. But again, God knows all things. He gave us both example and instruction. First the example. And then he himself stopped and sanctified the Sabbath day. Later he instructs, if you have ever seen the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, the command was to keep the Sabbath holy and to use it in worship of God. Uh, the Sabbath day was, was for our benefit. A day of rest physically and a day with God spiritually which restores us as a, as a whole body, mind and spirit. I myself on my own personal level, on Sundays, Sundays feel very different to me considering uh, what I normally go through on a six day war, uh, period. Sundays tend to feel more relaxed. They feel different. 
Okay, so some people have had family traditions that would come together on Sundays to have dinner together. And, and it was a joyous time. As, as we like that, God likes that as well. See, we see more how we're created in His image. It's something we enjoy as a family to do together. To sit there and have dinner to fellowship with one another. And God created that one day for us to have family dinner with Him. That's why we have churches. Okay, the Jewish people, they had synagogues, which synagogue is, it translates to, to a gathering. In the Greek, church is called ecclesia, which means called out ones. It means people are coming out of their homes and gathering into the body, not into the building, but into the, into the body of the church. It was the family gathering that God wanted. And when you experience that, what he created and commanded, you will see the blessings in your life as well, as well as, as, as others around you. It's absolutely amazing what he's done. We see more and more as time goes on, when you surrender and you, and you give your life to him. You start to, you start to see more how God created us in, into his image. Observe real quick in, cha- in chapter 2 verse 4 through 7. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and a man came became a living being once again we have the apex of god's creation finally in form was that was that of man and of all things he did it out of dust out of dirt now what's interesting is it's been proven in science or biology that that the human body is made up of the earth's crust as well as oxygen, as God breathed into him. It was found that the, the actual human body is made up of 18% of the ground's top soil, and hydrogen was 10%. 59 elements found in the human body are found in the earth's crust. God breathed into him, which the Hebrew word for spirit is ruah, and, and in the Greek it's pneuma. And both of those are translated into the, into the meaning of breath. Now, God's breath and spirit was in his creation. Yet being created from the dust, it really shows our humble beginnings as people. And what's interesting to know is is that even though we might be of different races, we might be of different colors, but we're all made from the same element. I've always said that you could put a completely different colored person next to you, a different race of person next to you, and they re- you remove one another's heart, you're not going to know whose is whose. We're made of the same exact element. And, and now during this time, it was, it was without vegetation on the earth, and God had not caused it to rain on the earth. Now in chapter 1, I, I made a reference to the flood during the time of Noah, and that was when God introduced rain to the earth. Now pretty soon we're going to be hitting that here. Uh, but so, from this time to the, to the time of the flood, it was a 15 to 1600 year gap. Okay, so during this time, up until the time of the flood, we're looking at 15 to 1600 years. 
And it was a form of what what it was was a form of a fog that caused an evaporation to moisten the ground. So there was no rain at this time. They they never experienced it. Now this happened first. Again, God put everything together in a systematic form of perfection. Moses put it well in chapter 1, in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth, and then everything else came day by day. God created the vegetation in chapter 1, verse 11, which was the third day of creation. So Adam came shortly after as God's plan was to, to give him a task and enjoy the creation that God gave. Uh, the name Adam means man. That's what that's what Adam's uh, name translates. It means man, which it, in in Greek man is translated into the word anthros, which is where we get the uh, the term anthropology, which is the study of man or of or, or of human life. And there is many different forms of of uh, the studies of anthropology. But again, Adam's name means man in that translation. Uh, our life here on earth is determined by God. Uh, day of birth, day of death. Uh, we don't get to choose our birthdays, uh, nor our last day on uh, our last day of our life on earth. Okay, our our worth, our worth uh, comes from God's spirit. Our lungs are involuntary muscles. So, so as we sleep and wake every morning, we have one source to think every morning when we wake. See, God valued life, which is why we're here in His eyes. Every life matters. It's important to recognize who's truly operating your day act, your day today activities, your day to day activities. It's important to recognize who's truly operating your day to day activities. Now, now some brag about their accomplishments, and others feel worthless due to um, due to some accomplishments that that don't stand out. Our worth does not come from worldly achievements. You know, you want to if you want to. Uh, if you want a good example, you'd have to look at the book of Ecclesiastes in order to understand what I'm talking about. From a, from a very wise and wealthy king by the name of Solomon, who had everything, and he was the wisest in all of the of all time. And when he walked away from God, he experienced he experienced that, that the downfalls of life. See, if you observe the Bible. And I'm talking the whole Bible. You will see that those in the Bible who were walking with God were at their best. And those who fell very hard were the ones who walked away from God. Our worth comes from God. The, the one who mysteriously and miraculously gives life. And, and the thing is, is, I pray that we recognize that, that in His plans for us. Because that's what it initially is. It was God's plans for us. And this is what it was. This was, again, the beginning of it all. This was our origin, His plan, His design. Every day belongs to Him, whether we like that or not. There's been many of times where I've left the house and I've experienced things in front of me to where I thought this should have been my last day. And it's when those things happen, it's when I look up and I realize where my source and where, the, and, and where my everyday life activities are orchestrated by. Look at uh, verse 8 here. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now I'm going to go to verse 17. From 8 to 17. 
And out of the ground the Lord God made every true I'm sorry, every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hittical. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria, the fourth river of the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So God planted a garden. He gave Adam a vocation, a purpose on earth to tend to the garden that God had planted. Now, after the fall in the garden, which will come up here in chapter 3, things changed for men as well as the things on earth. Weeds and thorns came about due to this. Now, if you're a gardener, if you do a lot of gardening, unfortunately, we have Adam to thank for this. Nobody likes thorns. Nobody likes weeds in their garden because of what it does. Those thorns, any thorn that you see is technically considered an unblossom. And the only thing it really does is it causes scars and, and, and pain when you grab hold of it. The gardening, the gardening in this garden was, was not so laborious at the time. But, but we will see what comes next in chapter 3. Uh, God planted numerous trees, but a, a particular one of knowledge of good and evil was, was uh, staring right at Adam. And the result of eating of it brings death, God said. Now, many ask, why, why would it even be there? Uh, many thoughts and theories have been said. Uh, it looked like a test to see what would be done. Uh, how could there be a difference between good and evil when everything on earth was good? Now, Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 10, verse, verse 18, He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Later in the Bible, it explains Satan rebelled against God and caused a third of heaven to be cast out with him, which is what we refer to as fallen angels. Satan fell first, and now evil was in existence. So God gave the instruction which uh, the speech of God is sovereign and, sh and should never be up for debate. Now again, just to, if you're a first-time reader or hearer of this, Satan was, a, was an angel. And I'm going to get into that a little more again later on. But just to explain it right now, Satan was an angel and one of the most beautiful and powerful of angels in heaven. And for whatever reason, he decided that he was going to be above God. Or that he could be like God even. And, and so therefore, God cast Satan out of heaven and, and Satan somehow was able to bring a third of the angels with him in the, into this belief. And therefore, they got cast out as well. Satan got cast out into the earth. And therefore, we have, we have what a lot of people refer to as the devil. Okay, The major cause of the problems that we see was through him. 
So as this continues, he speaks of rivers, Pishon and Hittical, uh, the Euphrates. Some of these we, we don't have location of because of the flood that came, uh, and our, our Earth's scenery had changed after that. We do know the Tigris and Euphrates. Uh, it flows between Iran and Iraq. So the, the belief of the, the Garden of Eden was probably somewhere in that region at one point. Uh, there was resources right at his grasp. And what's amazing is, is that no rainfall uh, was ever mentioned. Uh, the word drought was unexistent at that time. So, so back to the tree, which is a small source of, of why mankind has the problems that we see today. If, if you're a painter, which I used to be years ago, if you're a painter and, and you paint an object, and, and you put a wet paint sign that says, don't touch... And what normally happens is that one person just, just can't help themselves. They just, they just have to touch it to see if it really is dry. Right? How things have really never changed. God put a sign to Adam, don't touch. He, just like the wet paint signs, uh, they touch it. Or, or they go up to the bench. There's a park bench that was just painted and there's wet paint signs everywhere. And what is, what happens? Somebody just sits down on it and, and from there on, they're, they're stained. Their clothing is stained. And it's exactly the same concept. God said, do not touch. He put the, he put the no touch sign. Somebody touches it. So we kind of see where we get that demeanor from. God made known consequences. Alright? He made known those consequences. Adam was left with a free choice. There was, there was no blocking the tree. The tree was exposed. See, God was a God was is a God of free will. He looks for obedience, and, and the two things God has always really looked for was was faith and obedience in in His people. God made known the consequences for the disobedience, death, which is something every single person will experience due to the fact that disobedience was done in the garden. So, as I mentioned before in chapter one. In the beginning of it, I've heard people say over the years, what is wrong with this world? What, what is wrong with us? Well, the, the root of all of that stemmed in Genesis. From the beginning. From the beginning of time, it began. And nowadays, when you turn on your news, and as things start to worsen and snowball, you have an understanding now of the root of what, that, of, of what grew into that thing. If there's anything to remember and, and to stay the course on, it's to be in obedience. Unfortunately, what was done is done, but the blood of Christ has covered us. And we have free will, but we're not free of the consequences of our choices and actions in life. That is the, that is the main problem right there. Is, is a lot of people tend to forget that, yes, we are forgiven when we ask in truth and when we repent with a true heart. But there are many scars that we can avoid. We, we, we tend to have this disobedient nature in us. And I think there's a lot of unnecessary scars that we carry in our lives. And I want to continue to observe more of what God has done though. See, right now what we're looking at is, is we're looking at a time of perfection right now. This is something that we, unfortunately, have never seen. Now this had to have been hard for Adam because for a short time, for however long that was, we don't know, but for a short time, Adam experienced perfection. It wasn't until he blew it. Let's take a look at, uh, at verse 18 of chapter 2. 
And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he, what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So when we see what God had said about Eve, he said one comparable, not above, not below. As we were created, it's obvious that solitude is a person's biggest enemy. At least with the majority, I should say. But even the most antisocial people I've ever met had a spouse that was everything to them. Statistics have shown that married men live, long, uh, live longer than single men. Uh, so many aspects can be seen. But purpose is a big one. Uh, to take a man's purpose from him is like depriving him of air, like depriving him of water. And, and God, gives, God gives him Eve, and now we have the institution of marriage here. Something uh, between a man and a woman from the beginning of time. God made them as one, and verse 24 is normally used in marriage ceremonies. I've used it every time when I've performed a marriage ceremony. God instituted and instructed future children that they will leave mother and father to be joined together. So, so Adam's best day had to be this day. Adam was naming all the animals that God created because he entrusted them and gave them an intelligence to do so, uh, which has shown that he had he had extreme intelligence to name every animal in such a brief time frame. An amazing gift. Now, now, unfortunately, after the fall, intelligence seemed to decline. Now, we, we do have advancements in science, technologies, and engineering, but practical wisdom uh, seems to decline more and more. You know, someone creates a device, and another figures out a way to do wrong with it. Uh, I, I've heard as of recently that people could purchase a scanning device uh, for a business to, to scan uh, products. And you could get it as somewhere as simple as a local Radio Shack or a Best Buy or any electronic store. And what people were doing is, is they would actually walk next to someone with a purse or, or uh, while they're scanning their cards, stealing their identity. See, we seem to advance and uh, we advance two steps forward and then we take another three steps back. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget the term that I heard, the difference between intelligence and wisdom. Intelligence is, is, is like having it, is like having it stored. Having it stored in a bucket to where, uh, to where wisdom is more of like a flowing stream. If you were, if you were to do the comparison. Intelligence is, is like storing it there. It's there, but the wisdom is used like a flowing stream. So you're comparing like water usage here. 
And one of the most, I'd say one of the most enjoyable times that I've had is, is marriage counseling uh, with people, pre-marriage counseling. But also some of the most challenging times can be had, at, uh, I've had it with uh, marriage counseling as well. Within the end of this chapter, God gave the gift of marriage. And Adam recognized that they were one. And she was created from his side to be by his side. Now, this is, again, unfortunately a short-lived time of perfection. Uh, nakedness was of no thought or issue. Uh, they were like innocent to any wrong then. It's almost like your toddler who runs around the house wearing nothing. Uh, he has nothing on or she has nothing on, giving no thought about it whatsoever. No worries in life at that time. Uh, if you're married and, and listening to this, please remember that in, that in life we may fall or trip. We may fail at things in life, work, school, uh, a test, but we cannot fail our marriages. If God is the center of your marriage and life, then, then may you see the blessings. One of the hardest things to see is, is one of you may have to bury the other one day, which we cannot afford to live in the flesh. We must be living in the spirit. Mar marriage and families are, are supposed to be the, the nucleus of our society today as it was back then. And it's important to look back at God's perfect design because he's the architect who built the perfect foundation. In marriage, what marriage was was his stamp. Marriage was his stamp of what he put on. Now, as we end this chapter, all we've, ever, all we've done so far is we've scratched the surface of who God is and what God has done. As God is, as God is mysterious in many ways, He made Himself known to man as, as He wanted a relationship with His creation. The word for mystery in the Greek is mysterion, which is like, it's like observing the tip of an iceberg in the water, sticking just barely out of the water. You know it's there, right? You got this tiny little t uh, tip of the iceberg, but if you were to dive down into the water, the iceberg could be 100 feet or more in depth. So it's always about the depth, the unknowing depth of what that mysterion means. He, see, God knows everything about us. Nothing is hidden from his sight. The Bible says that he knows that every single hair on our head is counted. Every single tear that we've ever shed it, it has been stored. And again, some can say that they, they know of him, but this is the way that we say that we know him personally. It's accepting His only begotten Son as your Lord and Savior. It's the way to Him and, 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 and the way to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, chapter 14, verse 7, If you had known Me, you would have known My Father also. And from now on, you know Him and have seen Him. And that was through Christ. He came down and revealed the Father. He came down, again, because I have to give the references. He came down because, again, we had a fall from the beginning of time that, God's, that God had to clean up the mess. God does not know sin, but God knew how to clean up sin. So God, what He did was He sent His only begotten Son. He sent Him over here on this earth to live for 33 years. At the age of 30, he, he, he started his ministry. 
He revealed himself on who he was. And at the age of 33, he was hung on a cross for our, for our transgressions in life. For our sins. He took it all upon him. And therefore, again, what God said, what the Bible says is there is no other way to God except through that of Jesus Christ. Now again, simply what we're reading right now was was the nice stuff. It was the good times. But again, unfortunately, the, the good times resulted in two chapters from the beginning of the Bible. But thanks to our Father, he gave, us, he gave us a way to obtain salvation and hope. And it could be done. You could receive him through prayer. If you feel led to do so, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I confess to you, Lord that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you to cleanse me and wash me with your blood, Lord. I ask you to give me a new life. Father, I invite you into my heart, Lord. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And Lord, I now call you my Father. Lord Jesus, I love you. I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And as always, if anybody here who has listened and has received this prayer of salvation, again, I would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, I would love to hear from you. I've, that's what this ministry is about. It's about teaching the Word of God. It's about praying for you and with you. So if you go to the prayer tower... You can send an email request of prayer or you can communicate that way to let, to let me know if you've received, if you've received the Lord and the prayers will continue for you. So again, may God bless you and keep you. And I thank you again for visiting.